How big is your team right now? So um, how it's structured right now is that I'm the one finding all the deals as well as raising the capital for all the deals, but I'm not the one operating any of the mm -hmm. deals so that I can just focus on what I'm really good at, which is acquisitions and fundraising. Um, but my business partner has about 30 people directly reporting to him. Wow. And that's all within your organization, right? Yes. And so what are those or who are those 30 people? Uh, so that includes people who are the boots on the ground, so mm -hmm. to speak. So front desk Got or hotels okay, yeah. or cleaners and uh, maintenance guy. I think we have a full-time maintenance guy for the between the two hotels that we have in Arkansas. Um, Got it. And all the way to revenue management, which is really important for hotels, um, to uh, customer service for short-term rentals and hotels, to uh, design, to all sorts of different things. Love so it. we have a lot of different people. That's awesome. And how you, you mentioned something that we tell a lot of our entrepreneurs, which is, you know, go find partners that complement you mm -hmm. and go find partners that allow you to go do more of the thing that you are really good at, right? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned you're out finding deals, acquiring, you know, properties, underwriting, raising capital. And because you have a good partner, you're able to just triple down on that mm -hmm. thing. Did you figure that out by yourself? Did it take you some other bad partnerships? Like, how did did you just land on that? Because you're like, well, duh, like that's the logical thing mm -hmm. to do. But like, how did you reach that conclusion? I think I always knew that I can't scale by myself because mm -hmm. not nobody is ever going to be good at everything. For sure. And so one of the things that I knew from beginning that I don't want to do is day-to-day -day operations just because I've done that when I was self-managing my first nine short-term rentals. And it just, it took so much time. It took a lot of patience. And I feel like maybe I don't have as much patience as some <laughs> other people may have. And so I just realized that early on that my skill set is really defying creative deals and mm. uh, closing really, really amazing deals. And then also to um, fundraise and go on podcasts or shows or whatever. Um, and then also, finally, um, I am still doing some of the interior design for a lot of our properties. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm also going to outsource that in the near future as well. Nice. That, that makes sense. Just keep tripling down on the stuff that you're really, really good at. Um, so talk to me about how you've been all like a lawyer and an engineer and now obviously an investor. So what was that progression like? Cause that's so interesting. Yeah. So if you look at my resume, I always get this question when I was uh, interviewing for jobs, just because everyone's so confused by my resume. But um, so I double majored in chemical engineering and biochemistry. <laughs> And then I realized that I really was not good at research, even though my parents wanted me to get a um, science mm -hmm. degree uh, that's a PhD yeah. um, at one of the Ivy Leagues, right? Mm -hmm. So that was supposed to be my track when ever since I was a little kid, like my parents would buy me all sorts of science books, <laughs> hoping that I will follow that track. Yeah. And so it really growing up, that that was the only option presented to me was mm -hmm. that, of course, I'm going to be a scientist. Everyone in my family is a scientist or a doctor. So that's the only path that was available. Mm -hmm. um, but when I got to college, I realized that there were other paths and I became an entrepreneur um, and I started a fashion website 
and actually got featured by a lot of the larger publications for mm -hmm. fashion. My parents, of course, were not so happy <laughs> and told me that fashion is just always going to be mm -hmm. a hobby. So then I went back to the drawing board and I was like, what can I do that can supplement being an entrepreneur in the mm -hmm. near future? And I went to a job fair and uh, someone told me someone was a chemical engineer and he was a CEO of a company. Ooh, okay. and, and but he told me he went to law school first. So I was like. That's it. Law school. I'm going to law school. And so what, what did yeah. your parents think about you pivoting to, you know, you're in engineering and then you, now you're pivoting to law school? Were, were they cool with it? It's still a high, high achievement. Most parents would probably be pretty happy with uh -huh. that. But how, well, how was that conversation? So they actually really didn't like it. So for <laughs> the first five years, they did not like that decision. But then they realized that having a good job mm -hmm. at a great law firm was actually a really smart choice. Mm -hmm. And then I quit that job, obviously, to do real estate. <laughs> so now I disappoint. I actually disappointed my parents three times. Once when I decided to add chemical engineering as a degree uh -huh. instead of just doing biochemistry. And then the second time when I decided to go to law school instead of graduate school. Yeah. And then the third time was when I quit my hard-earned education and job to go full-time into real estate. Yeah, so how were like Thanksgiving and Christmases for a little uh, while? So <laughs> they, I feel like they still don't get it. I think whenever yeah. they ask me about real estate and they really do try to understand it, they're still really confused, like why anyone will want to take on debt, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all those things. For sure. And so how... Were you able, because a lot of people, um, especially people who are in high, like high achievers who end up doing what their parents want them to do and they end up getting great jobs and they're doing really well. But like, how did you overcome that? Like, no, I don't want to call it fear, but like that, I can't think of a better word for it. It's, it really is just like that fear of one, disappointing your parents, of going your own direction. So like, how did you overcome that? Because a lot of people stay stuck in that. I guess since I disappointed my parents three times, <laughs> that just never crossed my mind. But uh -huh. um, honestly, I I was, yes, I was raised to not be entrepreneurial, but mm -hmm. I think I was always just going to be an entrepreneur. Sooner or later, I was going to have to disappoint my parents and just <laughs> do my, carve my own path. Because For sure. Ever since I was a kid, I would try to make arts and crafts and try to sell them and mm -hmm. try to figure out my expenses and my profits and et cetera. So I think that was just always a bone that mm -hmm. I had. Yeah. Um, but going back, I think it's really hard, but at the end of the day, if you know that you're an entrepreneurial person, I think that's really, you're never going to be happy working for anyone else. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%, right? And it's tough because I think there's a lot of people who they go to the grave not experiencing that entrepreneurial bug and always having some sort of resentment towards their parents or even their their job because like they've they worked so hard to hit this point and then they don't feel fulfilled and it, it, so i think for anybody who's listening you know make sure that you guys like if you have that bug go scratch it or that itch go stra go scratch it because um it, it's at least you can say you tried and you can always go back right 